We've, we've been in this series on nobody but Jesus. Next week, I'm finishing up Galatians today. Next week, we start off with storytelling, and it's about the parables. The parables, at first I was thinking, well, the parables are not that exciting. This is our summer series. But the parables, there's you know, different parables. And I got a study on the parables, and I found out if you go back and look at the parables in chronological order, you know, when, you know, Matthew's not necessarily the first book, and Mark's not necessarily the second book. But if you, took the, if you took the parables and you put them in chronological order, as when Jesus told the first one, when Jesus told the second one, when Jesus told the third one, you will see that there is a, uh, there's a purpose and a scheme to why he told this one first, this one second. It kind of goes from the outside of us into the heart of things, into our heart. And I uh, asked the first service, if you, he kind of starts off like this, if you have ears, hear. How many knows, like, you tell your husband to uh, take out the garbage, and sometimes they have selective hearing. They didn't hear you take out the garbage, like, but if, you know, if you said you want to drink, then yeah, they heard that. So you know their hearing is not bad. Jesus said, some of you, you have ears, but you cannot hear. How many can relate to that? Yeah, the women here. Primarily, they can relate to that. Uh, I think it goes both ways, though, actually. <laughs> and uh, so, if you take the word here and you add a T to it, what do you got? What? Heart, yeah. Man, y'all are slower than, I, than the first service. I'll just tell you that right now. They, <laughs> I don't know. You got extra sleep, I hope. But they were faster than you are. I'm just telling you. They got his heart really quick. All right, heart. And it's kind of like if you see the chronological order of the scriptures, like if you have ears, hear. If you have eyes, see. Some of you have eyes, but you can't see. Some of you got ears, you can't hear. And he's telling you, and then if you can hear what Jesus is saying, he knows it's like a seed that's planted. It'll get in your heart. Heart's like the good soul. And so you will not only be hearers, but you'll become doers. You'll get the advantage of being uh, having the word in your heart. And so it, it's pretty neat how, if you see how he starts, and he starts saying, if you'll listen to me, I'm going to tell you something that will change your life. If, if you'll hear me, if it gets in your heart, if it gets in your heart, it's going to be in your character. It's going to be in your life. It's going to change your life. And so when you start seeing the, when you see the parables, the stories come together in chronological order, it's going to change your life. I'm telling you, I know that summer is a time that people are out, you know, it's that time you've got kids or grandkids out and you're going to graduations, going to uh, family vacation, stuff like that. And I understand that people will miss more than normal. I appreciate all you that watch online. Uh, we, last week we had a lot of people watching online and when you're gone, you're still kind of a part of it. Stuff like, it's so cool. We're watching the service right here. Joanne saw her granddaughter singing last week, didn't you? Right at the family reunion. That's cool. And it is cool that we can bring that to you live. It's happening live right then. And we appreciate you watching. Don't forget about your church family. Don't forget, you know, if you can't come, just send your money. Just wire it in. <laughs> I, I'm not ashamed to ask that. Just go ahead and send the, push the button, send it in. And then we're not that disturbed that you're not here. I mean, we're a little bit disturbed, but not as much. Because at least we'll be able to go another week here. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> you thought I was going to say, I'm kidding, but I'm not kidding, really. 
Hey, you think we do this for free? <laughs> no, we love you guys. We really do. And I understand that we want you to be with your families and enjoy the summer, very much so. And thank you for all of your giving and, and you being here. Um, in this series, we've been talking about Galatians is such a powerful book. We, we went to Galatians right on the end of Romans. Romans was this book that told you that you're saved by grace. It's not by you earn it. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's, it comes by grace. You know, one day we'll stand before God and we'll say, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. If you listen to Paul's writing, you'll start loving the cross. You'll start loving the cross and the message of the cross. Because it's the cross of Jesus Christ that provided a way for us to have eternal life. We don't deserve it. I find that the older I get... The more, the more I don't feel deserving. Do you ever feel that way? I've got quite a few friends that's already went on. They've already passed. And I'm thinking, those were good friends, you know. And I uh, looked at my high school reunion thing, and there's a whole list of people that graduated with me that's not here anymore. And I'm thinking, you know, thank you, Lord, that I'm still here. Thank you, Lord, that... Uh, I thank you for this church. I thank you for my car. I thank you for my house. I thank you for my wife, my kids, my grandkids. And you, you find yourself in that, that spirit of gratefulness. Just thank you, Lord. I don't deserve this. And if you get very deep into the true gospel, the good news, you know, I don't know about you, but some of you may have grow, grew up in church. This series has been about nobody but Jesus. You know, it's not Jesus and. Some of you grew up in Jesus and churches. You got to have Jesus and you got to do this and you got to do that and you got to do that. And Jesus and churches. And the gospel is not very good news. And so I am grateful for Grace Community Church. I told somebody, you know, I'm getting older. I don't know how many years I got. I may have 10 more years. I get to preach for you and I've got this rotating group and it's making it just better and better. I enjoy it. And, but I thought, you know, when I don't speak anymore, what church would I want to go to? And I said, I would want to go to Grace Community Church. This is the place that people talk about the gospel, the good news. The good news cannot be good news if it's Jesus plus this and plus that and plus that and plus that. That's not good news. Because, you know, you can't do all those things. And so we talked about in this series, Nobody But Jesus. Jesus plus anything is nothing. If you add anything to Jesus, Jesus plus, you got to go to church every week. Jesus plus paying your tithes. Jesus plus giving. Jesus plus whatever. Whatever you want to add to it. You got to be here every week. You got to take communion. You got to do, you add Jesus plus anything else. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. So what we've been trying to say in Romans and in Galatians, Jesus is enough. If Jesus can't get you to heaven, you can't get there. So you go, well, pastor, that sounds like a dangerous gospel. It is kind of good news to me, but 
it's kind of dangerous because if you tell people that if they receive Jesus Christ in their heart, that they don't have to come to church, they don't have to give, they don't have to do that, then why would they ever do it? That's a good question. But the, the, the answer to that, if you truly understand the good news, you're going to fall in love with the good news. You're going to fall in love with the gospel. You're going to fall in love with his word. You're going to find yourself just wanting to read his words because he's got the best news ever. He died for me. The first Adam came and messed up and plunged us all into sin. This second guy, Adam, Jesus, came and died on the cross. And now he says that he died for our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins. And if we believe on him, we can have eternal life. That's just too good to be true. But it's true. And so what is our motivation for even coming? What is our motivation for even giving? What is our motivation for, for even being a part of a church? We find that love... Uh, this, this title today is What's Love Got to Do With It? What's love got to do with it? What's love? Y'all help me. What's love got to do with it? What's love got to do with it? Just a second-hand emotion. Okay, y'all can quit clapping now. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. There's a man that loves me right there. He's got a Jesus shirt on. What's love? Love has got everything to do about it. Love's got everything to do with it. If you love Jesus, you'll come to church. If you love Jesus, you'll give. If you love Jesus, you'll serve. If you love Jesus, it's all about love. Love is the motivation. Fear's not the motivation. You may have used to went to church because you feared going to hell. Or you feared some deacon board's going to come over and visit you on Sunday afternoon. We were just noticing at church you wasn't here two Sundays in a row. We'd just come and check on you. We've been noticed you ain't been given either. <laughs> Which is the greater issue that we're here for. <laughs> we don't do that at Grace. We don't guilt you at Grace. It's about love. What's love got to do with love? The man come to Jesus and said, Jesus, what's the most important? What's the most important teaching there is? He loved the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because if you take the Ten Commandments and you take them, the vertical and the horizontal part of the Ten Commandments, if you love God with all your heart, you'll fulfill the first part of the Ten Commandments. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you'll fulfill the second part of the Ten Commandments. And so he said, therein lies the entire fulfillment of the law is love. Love is the motivation. I don't come to church out of fear. I don't come out to church out of guilt. I come to church because I love Jesus. Nobody's ever loved me like Jesus. Nobody's ever forgiven me like Jesus. So that's what love's got to do with it. Love is everything to the Christian. It's our entire motivation. We no longer come because we're held over the flames of hell and threatened with that on a regular basis. I used to get saved every Sunday night primarily because if I messed up during the week, I didn't want to go to hell. I didn't really love Jesus as much as I feared him. That is no good news. That is not good news. Good news is that Jesus has finished the work Every other religion is something you've got to do. Christianity is something that's been done. 
It's done. And so true love develops character. You'll start growing in the Lord when you get over the fear and you start loving him because he first loved you. Love's where it's at. Love develops character. And we'll find that love is the motive behind the gifts. Why should we uh, seek for God to gift us to be able to serve in his body? Because when you realize what you've been given as a, uh, the good gift of God, if, if you as earthly fathers can figure out how to give good gifts to your children, how much more is our heavenly father going to give us good gifts? And why would we want to give gifts anyway? Because giving gifts is fun. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And when we realize we've received such an a, enormous gift of eternal life from Jesus Christ, we want to give it back. Got to go down to Knoxville yesterday and see my grandson's play ball and we was out there practicing, and my son was pitching to him, and then somebody come up and wanted to talk to him. And so here I am pitching to my grandkids, and they're hitting the ball, and some other kids get in there, and we're helping them learn the bat. And then you just kind of see it happen, you know. My dad over here, he took us to all the baseball stuff and, and you know, done that with us. And then here I was, I'd done that. I actually had a picture on my phone where I used to live in Knoxville, and I had a picture of Matthew and Michael over playing t-ball in the Farragut area when I was young, and they were playing t-ball. And I showed that to my, grand, my grandsons. And now, here they are playing, and my youngest grandson, he's only three years old, and it just so happened that it came up. His brother had hit and got on base, and he was at third now, and the bases were loaded. And here come my three-year-old grandson up. The littlest guy on the team. He's really not supposed to be on the team, but his dad's there. You know, when your daddy's there, sometimes you get to play on teams you're not supposed to play on because he's too little. And so he gets up there and he goes out there and hits the thing a few times. And he hits the ball up there and it went, goes way out there. He can actually hit a golf ball 70 feet, a three-year-old. He hits that ball out there and the, his brother gets come in and comes into home plate comes around next time it happens here is my three-year-old again my, my five-year-old he's he's hitting and running his brothers learn from him and so my three-year-old he has to hit again and the bases are loaded but it's fun it's fun to see and why did why do dads go out there and waste their saturday if you think of wasting their saturdays be there all day why does dads do that because their dads did it and their dads did it it's not because the parent police will come and get you and, and put you in jail or you're going to hell if you don't help the next generation learn to play baseball. It's pure out love. Somebody paid it forward for you and now you're paying it forward. And I, I just, it thrills me to see the generations. And then, you know, I can picture one day my grandkids will be helping their kids play ball. They paid it forward. It's kind of like that with church. I love a church that treach, teaches the true gospel. The good news. And, and the thing is, you know, when I walk off the scene, I pray that I've got other people that's going to still be teaching the gospel. And the reason that you should come and I should come is we should never let that gap fall that there's a generation that ever comes to the church that somebody's not telling the pure gospel. Somebody should be teaching the gospel, preaching the gospel, the good news. It should go from generation to generation that you don't have to fear God. And not, I'm talking about you reverence God. That's the fear of the Lord is, is wisdom. It's reverence of God. But the, the fearing uh, that he's out to get you, that's not the good news.
And so our motivation for learning gifts, our motivation for coming, the motivation for giving is to pay it forward. That there will always be a generation teaching the next generation that God's love is free. That God's grace is free. That God has paid for our past sins, our present sins, our future sins. And praise God, you can go to heaven if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Love is the motivation behind the gifts. Love is why we equip others for service. Because we want your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren to know about the gospel. We never want that to lapse from us. You know, I'm wondering sometimes as parents and grandparents, is, are your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren going to know the gospel? You, you need to hope so. You need to pray so. Love is why we do it. Love is the greatest of virtues, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Love is the motivation, not fear. And so we go to Galatians, the sixth chapter. And Jeff did a good job covering the fifth chapter, and it kind of ends up with about the Spirit, the, the fruit of the Spirit. It talks about the divine nature. God has given us a divine nature. There's some divine nature in us that will bring us back to God, that will stir us towards God. That'll make us want to come to church. That'll make us want to read the Word of God. That divine nature, we are part of Him. He's part of us. He's got something invested in us. The Holy Spirit is the earnest money of what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit is already invested in us. We're His children. We, he delights in us. We go to Galatians sister, 6 and he tells us, he said, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. One version said, Brothers and sisters, if, if you've been overtaken in a sin... Ye which are spiritual, restore them in a spirit of meekness. But I want you to notice something. We've been talking about grace and that God forgave your past sins and your present sins and your future sins. Then what is Paul talking about here, brothers and sisters? I want you to, he's not talking about some stranger out there. He's not talking about some alien out there, some person way out there. He's talking about brothers and sisters. The connotation is that you're a part of the body of Christ. You're you're, you're a part of the family of God. And so you're telling me that there could be a situation that brothers and sisters in our household of faith could sin? I'm not suggesting that. I'm telling you that. For a fact. Sometimes we sin. Sometimes we mess up. And it's, it's not just sometimes. A lot of times we mess up and we sin. You ever heard that? I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> This is that, that thought there behind this, this, uh, this sin here. Uh, he says, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, sin nature. I want you to get this. Sin nature is ever present till the day we die. But we have a divine nature. But we're living in a sinful world. And sometimes we mess up. The word trespass, as peritoma, means failure that comes upon a person suddenly and unaware. If I go out here and I fall today, I didn't plan on falling. Walking in my yard, I fell today. You don't plan on falling, you just fall sometimes. And so, in our lives, we may fall, we may fail, we may sin. But he says, brothers and sisters, if somebody is called in a sin, we never like to be called in a sin. We would prefer not to be called in a sin. 
But sometimes even brothers and sisters get caught in a sin. And he says, but somebody that is spiritual should go about restoring that person in a spirit of meekness and gentleness. But watch yourself, watch yourself or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is the love of Christ. God loves us. We should love others. He loved us while we were yet sinners. We sometimes find ourselves needing to love brothers and sisters that at this point in time are sinning. And so, do we have an example of somebody that loved that way? We actually do. In John 8, the leaders of the, the church there, the Pharisees, they said in verse 5, In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Actually, they were misquoting the law. Men and women called it an act of adultery. In the Old Testament, they were supposed to stone. Now, what do you say? They asked Jesus. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote in the ground. At this, those who heard, heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first. I'm not a prophet, but I can tell you who's committed the most sins in this building today. It's whoever the oldest person is here today. And I would probably be right. Because the older you are, the more days you live, the more potential you have of sin in your life. That you've sinned in the past. That you went down some wrong roads. And so, the way Jesus phrased that, it said they begin to drop their stones from the oldest to the youngest. They begin to walk away from the oldest to youngest. And until only Jesus was left. That's a great place to be, folks. You know who's qualified to judge any of us? Only Jesus. I want you to listen. The only person that has a right to judge was standing there that day. Only Jesus. Nobody but Jesus. Nobody but Jesus. Only Jesus. Jesus paid for your sins. Only Jesus. You know why Jesus came and died on the cross? Because no other way would get us to heaven. No other way would take our sins away. It took a righteous man to die on the cross for us that we might be able to go to heaven. That's the good news. And it said only Jesus was left there with this woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and he asked her, woman, where are they? Where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now. And leave your life of sin.
That's amazing to me. Go leave your life of sin. You think that lady was motivated by Jesus' love? She left there. She's one of the last few that was at the cross with Mary. The Bible said, Ye which have been forgiven much, loves much. You go, well, Pastor, I've never done anything really bad. Really? When you were born, you were bad. You were Leroy Brown bad. (laughs) Bad to the bone. Bad. We were all born in iniquity. But because of Jesus Christ, we're saved. And so until you get into the reality that you are a sinner worthy of hell and damnation, then you can't feel that motivation of love that, thank God you love me. And the Bible said, if you love, you will restore people that's called in sin. Why? Because he said, be careful because you need to realize you, you, that could have been you. And you know what the body of Christ is supposed to be? The body of Christ is supposed to be a place where you have a listening ear. The local bar should not be the place where people can have an ear and somebody listen to them without being judgmental. The house of God, when brothers and sisters in the body of Christ mess up, we should be here, we love you. Only for the grace of God, it would be me. And it has been me before. And it may be me after. And I want to treat you the way I would want to be treated. And I have been treated. I want to love. Jesus was loving this woman like she needed to be loved. He was showing us how a spiritual person restores someone that's messed up in life. Not that he was condoning the sin. He wasn't condoning. But there was no need to beat the woman over the head. He loved her. He loved her. And she went away feeling loved. And she felt motivated to go and live a life. And without Jesus Christ, we can't live without sin anyway. We can't live one day, one hour. Remember that song, I need you every hour. I got news for you, you need him every minute, every second. We can't live without Jesus. I I love this passage over here in uh, John's writing. In, In John's writing, he gets real clear in 1 John. He says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. One version said, you're lying. If anybody says they have no sin, they're lying. The truth of God is not in you if you say you have no sin. But then we go over here, that's John 1 and 8. If we go over here to John 5 and 18, we see something a little bit different. We know that anyone born of God, they got that divine nature. Anybody that's born of God does not continue to sin. And one translation said, you will not habitually sin. So which is it? The the truth is that every one of us sins at some time or another. The truth is, though, if you're born of God, You don't habitually sin. You don't continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe. And the evil one cannot harm them. And so you say, well, if you preach grace like you preach, it seems like you're giving people all license sin. Absolutely not. 
Jesus came to Peter and he said, Peter, he said, before the rooster crows tonight, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter goes, not me. It may be some of them slacker disciples you've chosen, but it won't be me. And he tells you in Galatians here, don't think too highly of yourself. At least the same thing happened to you. And how many thinks Peter was kind of thinking highly of himself? That's a remote possibility. You, you, you know who I am? I'm Peter, and I'm not going to deny you. I'm, I'm it. And Jesus said, Peter, Peter. Peter, I want to tell you something, Peter. I already know the devil desires to sift you like wheat. But I've already prayed for you. I've already prayed for you. Jesus had already chose Peter to be a pillar in the church. Uh, Jesus already knew the devil was after Peter, trying to trip him up. And the devil did trip him up. Jesus said, I prayed for you, Peter. You know, the great thing I, I, I'm, I'm appreciative about, about the good gospel of Jesus Christ, even if I fail, I have an advocate with the Father. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and he's praying for me. God has a great future for you. And if you let every time you mess up, trip you up, and you give up, my friend, you're letting the devil mess around with you. You're bought with the blood of Jesus. You've been given the divine nature of God. You need a church family that will help you back up, surround you, love you back to the good gracious of God. Where they don't put you down, they lift you up. That's the church of the gospel, the good news. I, I love this. You get over here to, if you want to read a whole book of the Bible, turn to Jude's writing. It's only one chapter. You could probably get that done today. In Jude's writing, I love how Jude, you know, there's a song about this. Hey, Jude, you know. <laughs> That's only funny to a few, but. This book Jude here says he's He's ending up the book. This is the book right before the book of Revelation. He said, I'm going to give you my doxology to him who is able to keep you from falling or stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, to be glory." And majesty and power and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forever. Amen. Did you get that? Jude said there's only one, and it's nobody but Jesus. There's only one that can present you to the Heavenly Father, holy, faultless, sinless. Only one that can do that, and that's Jesus. Nobody but Jesus. How is Jesus going to do it? He's already shed his blood for your sins. He's already justified you. He's already called you to be born again. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. To the thief on the cross, he said, he said, Lord, remember me. And he said, this day you will be with me in paradise. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can do that. It wasn't a bunch of conditions. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Why do we make it so hard? 
Because it's too good to be true. It's that kind of gospel. It's that kind of truth. But I'm telling you, you find it in Jesus' writing. You find it in Paul's writing. You find it in, in, in the writings of the Bible that it is that kind of good news. That you can believe on Jesus Christ and you can be saved. Well, what if I sin? Yeah, you will. Not what if. It's when you sin. If you say you have no sin, the, the love of God, the truth of God is not in you. But you have a father that knows he's looking down. Jesus went through these, these temptations, these things we've been through. And Jesus looks down and, and he sees and Jesus is praying for us. He may know any one of you next week is going to come up against a temptation and you're going to fail. But he's praying for you. He prayed for Peter, but Peter still failed. But what did Jesus do? Jesus went looking for him. He said, go tell the disciples and Peter. Why did he say it that way? Because Peter was so beat down by the enemy, he didn't believe he was saved anymore. He said, go tell the disciples and Peter that I've risen. He went to Peter and said, Peter, do you love me? What's the motivation of our Christian walk today? Why do we come to church? Because we love Jesus. Why do we give? Because we love Jesus. Why do we read the Bible? I love Jesus. You don't need no board of men walking around with a booklet saying, okay, how many scriptures did you read this week? I was looking here and we got a number of how many times you went to church this month. We was looking here, you know, you don't need that because love is the motivator. If you love Jesus, you, you will follow him. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll fellowship with the believers. If you love me, you'll be one of the people that restores people back to faith. Why? Because there may come a day you're going to need somebody to restore you back. And that's why we do what we do. You think I get up here and preach every week because I feel like I'd go to hell if I quit preaching? No. Why do you keep doing it? You've got some good people coming up. I do it because I love and I want to leave this ministry. I want to leave this gospel, this good news to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. I want my kids and my kids' kids and my grandkids. I want the gospel to be going out. The gospel to be going out. And Jude is realizing with great thanksgiving... To the only one who is able to keep me from falling and to present me before his glorious presence without fault with great joy is Jesus. He's the only way. That's the only way we're going to make it is through Jesus. So Paul is telling us, he said, those that are spiritual, it's the spiritual people. You need to restore those that fall. And he said, don't compare yourself with those people. On a given day, you may be doing a little bit better than somebody else. But on another day, they're giving, doing better than you. Our measuring stick is not each other. Our measuring stick is Jesus Christ. That we grow up in the full stature of Jesus Christ. Nevertheless, the one who receives instructions in the word should share all the good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Now see, in the non Fake gospel churches, they use that as a scripture to beat you over the head. You're going to reap what you sow, my brother, my sister. But to the gospel church, that's a very positive scripture. Because, my friend, if you take a kernel of corn and you put it in the ground, you're not going to get apples, you're not going to get pears, you're not going to get tomatoes, you're going to get corn. It's something that commonly happens. It ain't like you just go plant a bunch of corn seeds like, I wonder what we're going to get this year. <laughs> You're going to get exactly what you put in the ground. I love every year about this 
in January, we have this class, and Robbie and, and Heath do this class on financial peace. It's Dave Ramsey material. And they do this material, and they encourage people that, you know, one of the things that make you give up is just getting so far in debt, you can't hardly, you're just having to work seven days a week, and you can't make it, and you, you know, that's one of the leading causes of divorce. It's one of the leading causes of families not being able to take care of their kids, and all this is financial debt. And so they teach this class. And you know what? They give out these seeds. And if the, if the people will hear and they'll listen and it'll go to their heart and they'll get determined that they're going to do this, those seeds they plant of doing this in a, on a regular basis and staying with it. And, and Galatians said, don't become weary in well-doing because in due time you will reap if you think not, and I love to hear these stories about these people that start off in this financial peace and they do it and they say, well, this is hard and we, we don't get to go out of deed as much as we used to. And we've, we've tore up our credit cards and we're doing this, we're doing that, we're doing that. But I love to hear their stories when they're going, you know, that was kind of hard, but we're enjoying it now. And we don't, we're not having to, it, all my check ain't having to go to bills. And, you know, we're even giving to God now and we're being able to help others. And I love to hear those stories because it makes and helps us understand the word of God is true. If you do the right things and you keep doing the right things, you're going to reap the right rewards. You know, you can read all kinds of books on being a millionaire and a billionaire and all these kind of things. And you know one of the fastest ways to lose your wealth? Divorce. It's just being honest with you. You read it, they go, you know, most millionaires, they're still married to the same one. I don't know if they're happy or not, but they're still married to the same one. <laughs> because, see, nobody gets into marriage thinking, okay, I'm going to get married, and I'm going to live a while, and then we're going to split our stuff. Because whatever you got, you fix it and lose half of it in a day. Somebody said, I lost 180 pounds last week. I divorced my husband. <laughs> And I understand divorce happens even in church homes, in church families, in Christian situations. It happens to brothers and sisters. But it's also one of the fastest ways to divide your wealth. It's one of the fastest ways to have a heartache. It's hard to deal with sometimes. It's hard to know, am I doing things right as a parent? But I'm telling you, it doesn't matter whether you wanted it or you didn't want it. Whether you tried with all your might, it happens to brothers and sisters. And you know what the response to the body of Christ should be? shouldn't be guilt and putting people. It should be surround these people and love these people. Help them to breathe a little bit, to get a little time, to start sowing the right seeds. And in due time, they'll overcome that. I want a church that whatever situation I find myself in, they're not going to turn their back on me, but they're going to love me back to where I need to be. That's the good news gospel. That's the good news gospel that Jesus preached about and talked about. Loving people no matter what their condition is. He didn't even pretend the woman caught in the act of adultery was right. He said, no, go, go on and live Live your life differently from this day forward. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're all going to mess up. And, and Paul is so beautifully saying this in Galatians 6. He's saying, you know, he said, don't go back to circumcision. See, Paul had preached this free salvation of God, this gift of, of grace. 
But these people came back and they wanted to be Jesus plus circumcision or Jesus plus following the Jewish thing. And Jeff, last week, he preached it pretty strong. Paul said, well, if you like the circumcision thing and you think that makes you holy, why don't you just castrate yourself? If you don't know what that means, ask your neighbor. (laughs) He was getting very... One of the most understated verses of Scripture in the Old Testament with Paul, when Moses, he, he, he circumcised these grown men, and it said the next day they were sore. Most understated Scripture in the whole Bible. And you go, you think about it, but he was saying, the flesh, it, circumcision or not circumcision, is not the issue. The issue is Jesus Jesus is how we get saved. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus is the only way. Jesus plus nothing is everything. Jesus plus anything else is nothing. And so we trust in Jesus Christ. We lean on Jesus Christ. And he tells them that. He's telling them in Galatians writing there that that he said, don't be deceived. You, You will reap. Even as Christians, you'll reap what you sow. Be careful what you sow. Why would I want to lean on God? Why would I want to do what His Word says? Why would I want to come to church? Why would I want to pay and give and and do and pass to the next generation? Because you still are going to reap what you sow. So why not we get in a habit of sowing good things where we are excited to go to the garden of God and reap what we've just sowed? Why would we want to go on sowing anything that is, uh, uh, that's contrary to the things of God? And so he tells us this. He said, in due time. Uh, Paul gets to the end of this in verse 11. He said, see what large letter I wrote? Well, it's just a small six-chapter book. What people were doing, they were so... You're talking about fake news now. Back then, they would take and they would draft up a letter that's supposedly from Paul... And send it out. Paul did not write. He couldn't see very good. And Paul, he would, he would give it. And some secretary would write down what he said. He had somebody that uh, would write down what he said. And it would go out to the churches. But Paul started getting wise of that. Other people were writing stuff and saying that Paul sent this to you. And Paul said, so Paul would take the last little section of the book. And he would write it with his own hand. And, you know, he said the thorn in the flesh people believe was his eyesight. But uh, he would write really big because he could barely see. And that last part of the book there, this last section, he said, see how large of letters I used? I write to you with my own hand, with his own hand. He said, those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. And if you've received any kind of letter like that from me, that wasn't from me. That's a lie. I did not send that to you. I still believe. And I love what Paul goes. He goes, and you know, I'm not going to boast in anything but Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's how you know the letter's from me. Because the only, any, only person I'm going to glory in or boast in is Jesus Christ. Over the years, you know, I'm a melancholy, my temperament is, and I used to get all these certificates of classes I took, and I just, when I left this church organization, I just burned them all. Well, then I found out I took this class in counseling, and they said, well, people are, they have confidence if they see all that on the wall. So I wrote this company and asked them, would they send me my certificates again? 
I put them on the wall and I took some other classes and just from one end of my office to the other, just a bunch of certificates. I was thinking the other day, I'm just thinking about taking all of it down and just put one thing up there, Jesus. Just Jesus. I don't want you to be impressed by anything but Jesus in me. If I, when I get to heaven, I'll say nothing into my hand I bring but simply to the cross of claim. Paul said, I don't boast in anything but Jesus and him crucified. You go, why don't we do worship? Because we're excited about singing about Jesus because he's the only thing we can sing about. A song that ain't about Jesus ain't hardly worth singing because it's all about Jesus. We talk about Jesus a lot around here because it's all about Jesus. Paul said, if, if, I, if I boast, I'm going to boast in Jesus. I boast in Jesus. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. It's all about Jesus. One day, you and I will stand before Jesus. I won't be saying, well, Jesus, you know how many times I preach for you. Jesus, you know how we built this building? Jesus, you know how we did this? I think about some of our old time, Tom Dunaway and Calvin Wyatt and, and some of those that helped. Geneva helped and Yale helped and others helped actually physically build built this building and I think about them they say true gratefulness true gratefulness true virtue of of being thankful is someone that would plant a seed for like an oak tree knowing you will never get to sit in its shade you're simply planting it for the next generation There's some of those guys that pretty much most of what they did around here was not for their benefit because they didn't get to stay along very long to enjoy it. They did it for you and they did it for me. That was their love and their motivation. I hope they're looking down from heaven today and go, you know, I'm glad I put in those hours. I'm glad I worked on that building. I'm glad I donated my time. They're still telling the good news. Snooks was one of those too. Come over here and worked hard. That should be our love and our motivation. Our love. We love because we've been loved. We forgive because we've been forgiven. He said, That's, you need to forgive because you've been forgiven. You need to love because you've been loved. You need to restore people that falls into sin because you might be next. And Jesus said, you know, I'm praying for you because the devil's trying to trip some of you up. And some of you are giving him a lot of stuff to trip you up with. But I'm praying for you. Does it do your heart any good to know that when you do stray a little way and you do sin, does it make you feel good in your heart that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father and he is praying for you? And he's the only one that can present you faultly and faultless and holy before the Father. And that, that makes, that's good news, buddy. That's great news for me. I know I'm going to make it in.
I know I'm as sure to go to heaven as if I was there today because I'm resting 100% in Jesus Christ and nothing else. I'd like for the worship team to come up at this time. I'm going to close out. I think you're going to find as we go through these parables, and you're going to hear the parables like you've never heard them before because you're going to hear them in the chronological order and there's, there's some clarity to like the madness. We like, it's like you, you re- received a, a bunch of letters and you like, you read this letter. Well, that's supposed to be the last letter. And then you read the third letter and then you read the first letter. It don't make a lot of sense. But if you read them in order, you see what he was meaning, what he was saying. I hope that the book of Romans and the book of Galatians has made you feel secure in your salvation, that you can be eternally secure by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you go, well, that sounds pretty risky when you tell people you don't have to do anything but believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to go to heaven. I don't think it's risky because anyone that is truly saved and has the divine nature in them is not going to stop doing anything. They're going to keep his commandments out of love. They're going to come to church out of love. They're going to worship out of love. They're going to give out of love. They're going to serve out of love. They're going to use the fruit of the Spirit out of love. They're going to use the gift of the Spirit out of love. Nothing's going to be lacking, even more so. They're not going to burn out. They're not going to become weary and well-doing because their motive is right. They're doing it out of the love they have for Jesus Christ. Let us bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the good news. I haven't even fully understood how good the good news is until recently. It is the greatest news. Jesus Christ is enough. I'm so glad that he died for me. I'm so glad that I could not only hear, but I could allow him in my heart and believe on him. That he is my eternal salvation. He'll never turn his back on me. He'll never turn his back on me. He will never turn his back on me. And I love him. I love him for what he's done. I love this congregation. I thank you for what you're helping us do in this congregation. We're going to be more motivated to serve out of love than we've ever been motivated by guilt or fear. I'm convinced of that. And so, God, I believe your church is going to thrive under the motivation of love. And I ask, Lord, if there be one here today that has not fully surrendered their life to the good news, I pray that today they'll ask Jesus Christ to come in their heart and be their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.